This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me now introduce uh, the brightest panel. Every Friday we do the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. We bring in people with uh, great opinions, great ability to express those opinions. And today, no exception, a guy that we've wanted to have here for a long time. And I can't actually explain why he hasn't been here before. But he's here now. Uh, Lauren Lieberman, who you see every week on the O Show on Cable 14, a uh, a very insightful and fun show to watch. Lauren, thanks for coming in. A kind of you to say, Scott. Pleasure to be here. And uh, also filling in today, we, we do this every, a couple times a year. We decide to unleash Luke and let him actually say his piece, because very often during the brightest panel on Hamilton Radio, Luke is sitting through the glass almost ready to throw stuff at us, because he's just dying <laughs> to true. say stuff, and we we never let him, so we have unleashed the beast today, and uh, Luke is allowed to participate. I like that uh, that you said that, because it seems like recently, whenever I open my mouth on this show, uh, I piss some people off, so so let's see what happens. Well, uh, that is actually true, So we'll, uh, and I have no doubt that you will continue to. However, let us, uh, Lauren, let us go to you first because this is uh, one of the things, well, almost all the things you guys do on the O Show are relevant political, current, municipal or federal or provincial stuff. And one of the really interesting stories for me this week, we had um, Donna Skelly, Councillor Donna Skelly on here earlier this week when this announcement came out that there are eight city councillors who are pooling money out of their office budgets to finance a poll. Throughout the city, now we're told this is going to be a poll of 2,000 people roughly from corner to corner to corner to corner of the greater Hamilton area to decide or to find out whether people support the LRT. Since we can't apparently have a referendum, we're going to do this instead. Is this a good idea? It's a terrible idea. Why? It's It's not their money from their budgets. It's our money. And it truly makes no difference. Um, how I feel, how you feel, um, we elect officials, uh, and if uh, if their primary job is to be reelected, then they need to take a pulse, and they can do that on their dime, uh, not on our dime. This is an absolute waste of time. And but silliness. wouldn't they, even if it was their dime, even if they were going to do this privately, would yes. they not still be spending money out of their office budget? I mean, essentially. No, but but their office budget is the tax dollars. Yes. Okay, you don't spend tax dollars to get reelected. That's all this is. That's all this is to get a pulse. And we already know um, that the vast majority of Hamiltonians, and I mean vast majority of Hamiltonians, number one, has no idea what the LRT file is anymore. It has been turned upside down and is so silly, your average uh, news consumer in this city can't be expected to have it straight. And then point number two is um, the majority of Hamilton does not support it. See, the interesting one, and I can't remember which councillor it was now, some councillor this week was commenting that maybe, I think it was maybe Sam Marula, but I stand to be corrected on that. If, if, if it's not him, I apologize. But somebody said that if the poll numbers come back strongly against this, it means that we have not expressed ourselves well enough and we need to do a better job at explaining. Well, that to me is kind of an interesting way to interpret. That means that if the people... In this poll, whether you like the poll or not, whether we should be spending money or not, Mm. if the people say, no, we don't like LRT, what they're saying then is not we don't like the LRT, it's we don't understand the LRT or we have not been convinced yet. That that to me is an odd way to look at numbers that potentially could back that that way. Councillor Farr on this station this week say that he was on side um, as one of the funding councillors for this and then pulled out because there was no educational component. There was no um, person on the other end of the phone calling you to explain 
LRT, which de facto means sell you on LRT, and that's not a poll. Right. No, you don't want a poll is not have someone call and convince you and then say, now, what do you think? Right. So if if council um, comes to the conclusion or councillors that uh, we're too stupid to understand it, were they exact same stupid that elects you? (laughs) (laughs) Consider that. That, That's correct. Yeah. But, uh, but <laughs> that's that particular statement where the exact same type of stupid yep. that reelects them. But what I'm hearing from this poll is that depending on which counselors you talk to, if we vote in this poll largely strongly yes in favor of LRT, the proponents will say, look at the proof that everybody wants the LRT. And if we vote no, it's not that we don't want the LRT. It's that we simply don't understand why we want the LRT. That's not – I don't th- – at the end of this, whether I mean, and we'll talk about the money in just a second that Lauren raises. But Luke, at the end of this, I don't really get the sense that the two sides, even though they're both putting money into this, the pro and the con, they're not going to take this as a yes or a no. This is now going to be a whole new series of interpreting what the answer actually means, and it doesn't actually resolve anything. Yeah, that's that's exactly why this is pointless because both sides are are set in, and there's no way that that anybody's mind is going to be changed by this poll of. 2,000 Hamiltonians, which is probably not going to represent an accurate cross-section of the city. Apparently, it's, uh, I, I heard I, someone say it's plus or minus like 2% accuracy. Like, it's not that far. It's a reasonable poll that yeah. you would do. It's not a crazy low number for yep. a typical poll. But, but when the end comes, you're right. I find it very difficult to believe that Councillor Terry Whitehead, if the number comes back 80% in favor, is going to say, I fully agree with this poll and think this is what it tells me, and vice no, versa. No, he'll be, he'll be questioning the integrity of the poll. And if it's one of the negative, one of the councillors who's very much in favor and the numbers come back 80% against it, I can't believe they're going to say, oh, well, clearly the city is against it. Let's stop this. No, they'll do exactly what Sam Marula said. He'll say that, uh, that people weren't educated enough on the poll. Let's go to your money comment, though, uh, Lauren, because I, I, I do find one of the things you said, and I, I, I want to try and keep things sort of in a straight line here, but you said it's not councillors' position to use their money to get reelected. Is that not what they do with basically every vote that they vote on? There's, there, I don't want to be too cynical, but you are voting on things that are popular with your constituents to get yourself reelected. Are you not? Is that not what happens every day on council? The budget that's going on now, is that not exactly what's happening? Um, to some extent. Uh, the, certainly councillors vote on issues um, beyond their ward boundaries, uh, a whole lot more than just issues that directly affect them. Um, the whole discretionary spending that the original old city of Hamilton councillors have, um, it w- in addition to their uh, office budgets, um, is all about vote garnering. That the wards one through eight have an extra million and a million and two um, for pet projects. Um, plus, you've got your councillor's budget to sponsor baseball teams or wh- whatever it is. None of that um, sounds like good governance to me, but what do I know? Well, no, I, 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 I mean, I look at this and I think that if I am in one of the downtown wards, it would be political suicide on my part to vote against LRT. To oh, vote ag- I don't know about that. Oh, I don't know about that at all. If you were in Matthew Green's ward or you're in Aiden Johnson's ward and with McMaster or those ones, mm-hmm. you think that you would be better off to vote against? It's uh, This poll that is going to be done is going to show that there is citywide um, uh, discouragement in regards to the LRT. 
Absolutely. See, here's uh, the dis- I think that what's going to because Donna Skelly when she was on here said that the geography of this poll is going to be in three distinct areas. There's going to be the downtown, there's going to be the suburbs, there's going to be the mountain, I think is what she said. There were three areas anyway. I fully expect that the downtown, the number will come back quite positive towards the LRT and the other two will come back quite negative towards the LRT. I predict a tight battle on the uh, lower city. uh, Do you really? Oh, yeah. Luke, oh, yeah. do you think it'll be tight, or do you think it'll be a wipe, uh, like a, a wipeout in favor of the LRT? I, I don't think it'll be a wipeout in any of the the uh, the wards, either for or against. I, I don't think that there's going to be a seventy percent number, or sorry, not seventy percent, a seventy-five to uh, or higher number in any of the wards. Oh, I think sixty but, forty is very reasonable in I, all of them. I think that sixty sixty is probably the number I would give in the downtown. Maybe, maybe, and 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 if I may, here's why. We were told um, the 10 great truths about LRT, and I wanted to believe. I want to want LRT. And one by one. You're be- like the X-Files. You're like. But, I, but I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I want just, to believe. Yeah, I, I want to believe. I do. I do. First, it was um, before we were getting LRT, we needed to be at a level of transit user capacity before we could qualify. That was an absolute fact. And we need more people taking the bus. Well, that's not true because ridership's down and we got LRT. Then LRT was absolutely about connecting higher order of transit to higher order of transit. It must be, said the province. That's not true. We're not even going down to the James Street GO station anymore. And again and again and again. And now that they ruined the spur line um, down James Street, and of course, we still keep hearing that LRT funding, the billion, the billion two, is only for LRT, with the exception of the BRT that was changed a month ago. But um, Paul Johnson's office at the city and Metrolinks, they haven't changed that tune. I'm not even being critical. I, as a potential LRT user, just doesn't understand anymore. And then... Scott, if you want to talk about how LRT is so amazing in all of its benefits and BRT is such a waste of time, well, now that we're getting BRT in an A-line, it's pretty wonderful too, says everybody who says it was garbage. But does this not sound to you exactly like the stadium debate? And I hate always bringing up the stadium debate because, boy, we have people flashing back and needing to call up their therapist as soon as we start this. But it had to be on a highway. It had to have great signage visibility. It had to be uh, with parking. It had to be this. Mm-hmm. And none of the things that the stadium had to be ended up being. Well, it's the exact same thing now with the LRT. Now, the stadium, we ended up with an okay, pretty good stadium. It, the location may not be ideal, but the stadium itself is fine. It's, it's, it, you have good sight lines. I, got, I don't have a lot of beefs with the stadium itself. I, I have some issues with the location. Not with the stadium, but th- that is again, I think, a pretty typical debate that we're going to have now with the LRT. Right. So I what's think. so the stadium ended up as a lose for everybody. So the lose for everybody on LRT file would be the province gives us six rickshaws instead. Like I don't, I I don't really see how we can all those who want buses and transit expanded across the city, and those who are just interested in the carousel ride for the uh, nine kilometers, what's, what's the, the double lose? Here, here's the big question, though, for this. And I, get, I want to bring it back because they're all, I mean, it's all great points, but I want to bring it back to the, 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 where we started here. Why are we this far into the process 
and now we are having a poll. Whether you agree with the poll or disagree with the poll, why would we not have polled people at the very beginning before we dumped whatever it is, 60 or $70 million in? Why are we now? Because it seems to me that I agree with you that it doesn't matter what the outcome of this poll is going to be. This thing is mm-hmm. plowing ahead. I, I, I have no faith. If it came back 90% against... It's not going to stop the LRT. There are ways to stop the LRT. But I don't think this poll is that Correct. one of those ways. Yeah. Why did we not poll people on day one to say, hey, before we launch ourselves into this thing, that we've just been through the Red Hill Creek fight that took 50 years. We've just been through the stadium fight. Before we launch ourselves into another massive political hot potato, let's take the temperature of our city and find out what people feel like. Why did we not do it then? I <laughs> I don't think they ever thought it would go through. Because remember how they said we'll only do it if it's 100% fun- fully funded? W- when they said that, I was like, oh, well, I guess we're never getting an LRT then because there's no way anybody's going to 100% fully fund it. And I think that's that's how it blew up, is that the province went, yeah, okay, sure, we'll give you all that money. And then and then city council was suddenly left holding this giant bag of money and going, oh, we, we don't actually know what to do with this now. But this is kind of, I'm trying to think of a good example of this, and it's kind of like, uh, I don't even know if I can come up with one, but to, to be taking the temperature of someone after they've already had the disease and then moved along into another disease. Because you don't do it early. Um, because, Why not? Because there's no political ramifications at that point. We don't actually need to know what the virtually illiterate voters think. Um, if you want to get a, a, an, an informed opinion, then ask people who've passed some sort of LRT literacy test. Um, Because otherwise, it is taking a temperature um, solely on um, the various campaigns on the yes side and the no side, and what have we learned? And what we Hamiltonians have learned is that Metrolinx is a mess and that the city won't point the finger back at the province for continually changing the file. And Luke just said 100% funding. It is not 100% funding. It is not. That is a giant misnomer. And the next time this station gets any pro-LRT counselor or the mayor on, force the answer. We get a commitment of $1.2 billion from the province. Great. And the province, through Infrastructure Ontario and Metrolinx and otherwise, never comes on budget, ever. So it's not crazy to suggest it's going to cost $2 billion. Where does that $800 million come from? And I have asked the mayor this, and his answer was, it won't. Well, and, no, that's the same, that's the same but, answer I've got, but then what, what if? And, and the, that's, that's what I think, honestly, I think there's a lot of people in this city who legitimately couldn't care less one way or another if we got the LRT, if they were guaranteed that this thing was not going to come over budget, not going to cost us money, and not going to really affect them. And we know it'll affect people if they try to go downtown, but sure. there's also the yeah. money. And, and and I do recognize, obviously, the, that the project would come in over budget. It was more that um, what I was trying to say was that the, the province said they're going to give 100%. And that's and that's what council had asked for. Right. And then when they got that promise, which even though, of course, we know it wouldn't, it, right. it and, wouldn't. But Luke, there's a way to ensure that. So if there's $1.2 billion, to spend on this 9.7 kilometer route and at 1.2 billion they're done at two kilometers we get a two kilometer lrt (laughs) to protect the city's butt that would be an interesting ride 
<laughs> Is it, isn't that though kind of like to a smaller extent what's happening with the stopping at the Queenston traffic circle is that originally it was supposed to go all the way to Eastgate and and now it's kind of like well I uh... uh, see I, I get we got we got to go to a break here I I I actually like the idea of doing a poll on this I just at this point don't see it I loved the idea of a poll or a referendum or something back quite a ways ago when there was still a chance that we could actually determine how people wanted to go and whether there was any clear decision or any clear feeling. Because, I, I, Lauren, I'm, i got to say, I'm with you. I don't think that if it came back 90%, as I said, one way or the yeah. other, it will have any impact at all. It will embolden the side that has 90% for sure, but it won't, it won't right. shut down the other side. It'll just change the argument. Mm-hmm. And then what do we do? Well, now we've spent... Fifteen or eighteen thousand dollars or whatever, we now have our answer, but it doesn't change anything. Well, that seems sort of pointless. No, let's hire another dozen Mac students to hit the streets and educate. That's what they're doing. Well, and you know what? You're assuming that it's going to come back. No, as you've said already. Now, if it comes back that it's eighty percent in favor, um, it, well, okay, we know it's not. Anyway, <laughs> quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, Lauren Lieberman, the, uh, as, we, uh, as we know, the city is right now, I don't know if they finished today, but they are up to their elbows in budget stuff, trying to find a way to get the cost down and to keep taxes from ballooning and ballooning and ballooning. Just wondering, I asked uh, former Mayor Larry DeAnne last night, and I want to ask you the same question. Is the problem that they are having with getting the numbers down right now and all the things they have to do, is this entirely the result of councils of past years delaying, putting off, waiting, pushing forward, and not making hard decisions themselves, and now eventually you're going to get to a point when some council is going to be stuck holding the bag on all this stuff? Yeah, I, I think that... Um and I don't mean to seem cute, and I don't want anyone to be um, injured or sick or otherwise, but the city of Hamilton needs a major crisis. And you would think the crumbling of our escarpments could be that, um, whereby they at council could finally decide to stop holding increases and get stuff done. Um, The city is an older city, and we have some serious issues. You don't want to have cheaper taxes and have a Walkerton issue, right? right. And, and I don't mean to be alarmist. No. Nope. Um, you get elected every four years, three years of high increases, and then you come in with uh, less than 1% on that re-election year. And everyone I, forgets everything right. else. The problem is we already have an insanely high tax rate in the city to begin with. People who listen to this show all the time are probably going to be sick to death of me saying this, but it's, I, I, I am going to keep repeating it until I fall over because I pass out. You can't come in with a 10% tax increase. You just can't, even though that might be right. helpful. You can't do that. Yep. So the only way, and you can't go on and just cut every service that the city offers. You can't do that either. There is one way and one way only this city can start getting its finances under control, and that is... A hiring freeze. You over the next five or seven years, you as people leave, you simply don't replace them. You don't fire them. You don't lay people off. You don't ruin people's lives. But you, by attrition, allow the numbers of workers to go because the salaries and benefits are the number one sure. cost for the city, and they are 
killing themselves till I think they're getting rid they announced today they're getting rid of like 50 people or something. Very few, as I understand it, very few of those are layoffs. Some of them are jobs they are not going to replace, which is exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And a few of them are the managers we heard about before. But I, do, I honestly don't see any other way right now for Hamilton to get around it any other way. You, you have a choice that, cut all the services or huge tax increases. We can't go to the province and ask for... They're not going to give us more speci- money. No, I mean special taxation. Um, like the city of Toronto gets uh, land transfer tax mm. uh, as, a, as a double bonus. Hamilton's not Maybe gonna... we need a casino. I'm being facetious, just in case people are wondering. Um, one car of the LRT <laughs> should be a gaming car. <laughs> they could do that. What do you think, Luke? I mean, is there is the Do you have a, th- a fourth option besides incredibly high taxing, cutting all the services, or not filling jobs and letting attrition take place so that jobs go down, not by firing but just by letting them fade away. Is there a fourth option that yeah, I'm it, missing? It's firing people. Well, okay. I, I know that's I know that's that's harsh and I, I wouldn't want anybody to lose their to lose their job on a personal level, but that is the fourth option. It's the quick option too. Okay, there are something like if my numbers are correct, if I recall, I think it's like seventy five hundred municipal employees. At in least. The city. Yeah. I think it's something like that number. With that number of people working, there's got to be, there has to be a hundred people every year that either retire or mm-hmm. leave to go find something else. And I bet you a hundred is way low. I bet you that it's probably closer to 200 or 250 that over the yeah, course of a going. year, it may be more. Yeah. Three years of not replacing those 200 people. There's 600 yep. jobs that you haven't had to fire anybody by the next election. You can say we've saved the salaries and benefits of 600 jobs without costing anyone their career. That's a lot of money saved. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, though. You can't cut union jobs. You're not cutting. You're just not replacing. But the size of the union is going down, and that's that's counterintuitive. Um, managers need uh, a, a full complement uh, in their department in order to have maximized funding. Uh, the Empire Building is, is what is needed um, to facilitate the... Copious amounts of people. You're talking, Scott, like we need a Rob Ford in Hamilton, and and the listeners out Minus there might the cocaine. right. Like the the man had uh, had his problems, but absolutely. But the mentality was there. Um, the in terms of privatization of some services, uh, it can be done cheaper and more efficiently. I, everything should be up for grabs. You raised the thing though, and this is one of the things in any kind of public service that drives me nuts. And you said it; your words will be better than mine. But the where you've got your budget, you have to you have to have the number of people there. You have to use up all the money in your budget, or else you lose it. Yes, that to me is always crazy. But that's, what if I need a bigger budget next year? So I, oh, I know, spend no, it this year. I know like, how. No, I know how it works. I know the thinking behind it. But it's always to me is crazy to say because if I want to protect my budget, I must then spend all my money, even though I could save some money for the city. And maybe you know what? Maybe we don't need a hundred people in this department. Maybe we could get by with seventy people in this department and do the same amount of work. But I can't do that because then I might lose my budget and then I lose my power and then I, on and on and on. It, 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 there's so many things in the public sector that are done that fly in the face of common sense and private sector thinking that can still work. The 50 people that have been let go and those jobs are not going to be replaced, will they come back as consultants or will um, the 50-person savings 
end up in uh, three times 50 people's worth of overtime. Well, It's then, not just as simple as that, right? When there's not enough bus drivers, for example, and they're all making a ton of money with all the overtime. And God bless them. Make lots of money, get lots of overtime. You wouldn't want to cut to the HSR when they need more drivers because not hiring somebody is uh, is more expensive than getting a new driver in. And, and as someone who actually rides the HSR, the lack of drivers and clearly the lack of being able to hire more drivers is uh, allowing for complacency to set in. Well, uh, and also there's also and, sacred and, cows, and that, and that and that sort of thing is bad for it because it's a, it's an essential city service that is bad for that service. There are also sacred cows in the city, and I'm not going to necessarily say HSR, but we have a lot of services. You, let's use the HSR as the example, just because it's up right now, where we would say, you know what, we may have to have a few less drivers after they retire. We're not going to replace them, which means we may have to have a few fewer buses that are out there, which means we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to get service. Now we're trying to do the opposite, and I'm using the HSR only as an example. You could do this with almost any department of the city. Sure. As opposed to saying reality is that we just can't do it. We're doing the opposite and we still want to, as I said yesterday, fall to the default position as a politician that I want to give everything to everybody until someone tells me I physically, financially can't. We want to give every, you want to, Lauren, you call me up and you say, I actually need a splash pad on my corner of the street. Okay, sure. Wait, we don't have the money. Okay, well, I can't, but I'd like to. The the default position is I want to give you everything because your vote is riding on me doing it for you. We have to be able to say no. There, There's lots of things the city can do to raise some dough. Why, why in God's name does the city provide golfing? But it, I'm told that it actually at least breaks even if not makes money. It, it, it doesn't matter. That it, That is not on the municipality's purview of things they need to provide us. There are plenty of people who give us golf courses. And the amount of tax dollars that the city, and I get it, that the Shadok neighborhood likes being on their park. You don't need 36 holes. Have nine holes of park and have 27 holes of subdivision. Now, my, my, we're getting way off track here, but can they? Or is that green belt? Is that uh, escarpment thing? Can they actually, could they do that? Could, yeah, they, they could build there. You can yeah. build there? Yep. As they have built a little bit into, um, there's some townhouses. In I mean, there, there so, are yeah. there are definitely they, sacred cows. But that's an example of many things that the city does that they shouldn't be doing. Um, where there are um, things to sell, services to not provide that are not essential. You don't have to um, pick up uh, recycling every week. Not all municipalities do. You save half the recycling budget by doing it every two weeks. And that means, Scott, you and me need to buy bigger blue boxes. But you are now Lauren Lieberman politician, not Lauren Lieberman private citizen. And you tell people that your blue box is only going to be picked up once every two weeks. What happens? What happens at your office? So we need... we The need, phone rings. I get it. A million times. And a million people say, either fix it or I'm not voting for you again. And you go, oh, well, is this the hill that I want to die then on? Then we need politicians who don't need the job. Let me ask you a different question. With following that up, would term limits help with this? If you knew that after eight years that you didn't have to continue to make politically expedient decisions, you could make hard decisions because I'm not running again, 
Would that actually, Luke, would that help politicians, municipal politicians make some of the harder decisions that they don't seem to be wanting or able to make now? I would hope that it would. Maybe not in your first term. No, but it's hard to say that there's a precedent that we can look at to say that it like maybe sure the U.S. presidency. I mean, I guess, but but that's still the the Congress and the and the Senate don't have term limits, so they they still can't they still aren't pushing through things that need to get done. I think that it, in theory it would help. I just I don't have a lot of faith in the municipal politics and the system we have here in the city that it would help. Well, look, I mean, look in the waning days of any presidency, the stuff mm-hmm. that any president has ever done. You're pardoning people who would be, if you pardoned them before you had to run for re-election, it would be political suicide. There's stuff that people do. Yep. On their way out the door. On their way out the door. If you were in your last, so you have to be really, answer every phone and keep every blue box in your first term of council. But then your second time around, you could be ruthless, couldn't you? But the solution to that can't be term limits. It can't be. It it, it has to be integrity and, and a need to do the right thing. Term limits would be a disaster. Why? Because it takes any decent person a solid year to understand their job as a counselor. Um, And having that kind of a turnover, we'd have a council bumping into each other. We also have some counselors who've been around a long, long time who are excellent. It's about getting rid of the dead weight or it's about getting the politicians to make the proper decisions. It's not just about every eight years bringing in new people because... there's a host on the afternoons on this station who last municipal election was all about all the incumbents got to go. And if you looked and watched the debates, if the incumbents didn't win in the vast majority of those ridings or um, where there wasn't an incumbent, if the uh, man or woman who, who did win didn't win, it would be pretty scary. There's some pretty scary options. Yeah, I was I was going to actually reference the same thing that that the what scares me about term limits is the fact that there are only so many people who are capable of, right. we, of being a city council. We as the city. voters keep voting in for the most part the right people time and time again. But if there was ter- but I think I, I I may be wrong. I really believe that one of the reasons a lot of other people don't run for council is because if I have to go up against someone who's been a councilor for 15 years with that name recognition it's a lost cause before I start. Well, and if I know that I have a path to that seat, I may be more inclined to do it. But we, we have to go to a break. Quickly. Go ahead, may, quickly. Maybe. But when you have open seats, like we had, what, three or four open seats in the in this election, you still get the same amount of yahoos that, that try to win the seat. And still there's only one, two, three good options in, mm-hmm. in each of those new wards. Maybe the answer is every three years for example on council we have a survivor council game and we get to vote one councillor <laughs> off council midterm who we the, a citywide referendum a plebiscite I'm gonna miss Terry <laughs> <laughs> we get to have survivor council where everybody gets to cast their ballot and one councillor is boom, ejected that that would actually you know what people would watch council people would watch council for that opportunity let us take a quick break here on the Scott Radley show back right after this you're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, we've got about three minutes. We're going to blow through this one quickly, but because I don't know that we need to spend a ton of time on this, it's, it seems to me it falls more into the silly category almost than anything else. But there was a liberal MP in the House of Commons who apparently made some sort of quip during the budget meetings that a, li- a conservative female MP 
he made some comment that alluded to the fact that she might be a stripper. It was not, he didn't say, he said something about where's the pole you're going to slide down or ride on or something. Like it was just a stupid comment. And interestingly, to last I checked, now something may have happened lately, but the prime minister has not actually demanded an apology or taken action. Now, I believe that if this had been the other way around, that people would have lost their minds. But is it double standard that we're not getting that? Or is it, you know what? Who cares? It was a comment. Let's not all be so thin-skinned about everything and let's just move along. And if someone says something, yeah, please apologize, but let's not make a national case out of it. it. It's both. Please let's not make a national case out of it. And even if it's the other way, even when something offensive comes out from the conservative, um, it, it has. it's both those things, Scott. I, I Look, I, I'm... I'm I don't want people saying that kind of stuff, but I, I am, maybe I'm just exhausted from politics at times, Mm -hmm. but it seems to me that every little thing that is said must be ramped up into the most magnificently huge scandal of all time. And at some point, can we not say, look, it was a dumb thing to say. Really dumb thing. I am very sorry for saying it. And we say, fine, don't do it again. And if you don't do it again, we'll chalk it up to one stupid thing you said. If it's a repeat performance. Right. But we seem, no matter what is said, it has to be something gate. I don't know if this is going to be stripper gate or insult gate or (laughs) whatever, but Mm -hmm. why are we unable now to just say, dumb comment, I'm very sorry, it's not going to cost the guy his career, we hope. I don't think it should cost the guy his career for saying, he didn't, it it was a bad joke that I'm sure as soon as it came out of his mouth and I, you know, it, it, I'm sure he realized, Ooh, that yeah. was probably stupid. I just, I don't understand why this is a big deal. It happened on March 8th. And according to the, uh, the article that we have posted to our own website, he apologized already and so, said that that's not the kind of thing that he, he didn't intend to offend. And that it was, uh, well, I'm trying to find the exact quote. Yeah. That he didn't No word. He himself uttered was intended to offend. Just before we go to break, would we be hearing more about this if it had been a conservative MP saying it to one of Justin Trudeau's female MPs? Of course. Wouldn't even be close. Of course. Justin Trudeau, I believe, would have been screaming for days for a firing. Am I wrong? Hatred is only coming from the right. Mistakes come from the center and left. I, I think it would have been uh, just as loud if it had been an NDP uh, oh, MP, oh, sure. MP on the on no. the other end. My point is there does seem at times to be a bit of a double standard. This would have been something that would have led to screaming from the highest mountaintops. Of course. But my argument is let's take the, take the apology. If it doesn't happen again and again and again, it was a stupid thing. Everybody has made mistakes. Let's deal. Let's just forget about it. Let's get on, not forget, but learn from it, get on with it. Every single misspeak does not have to be a scandal leading to someone's resignation or a national discussion. It just doesn't. I'm sorry. And if you disagree, you're entitled to disagree, but I, I'm just, I guess I'm just tired of nonstop everything being blown so far out of proportion. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Let us move along, uh, however, with uh, with Lauren and Luke. Uh, a story that moved on the Toronto Stars website on Thursday, yesterday. And I got to tell you, I don't always give big plaudits to the Ontario Liberal government. There's a lot of things they've done that I think... Uh, 
I, I don't really uh, even have a word right there. But I gotta when when they do something really smart, I think it's only fair to give them credit for something they're doing really smart. They will, as of the fall, be rolling out a pilot project that will introduce financial literacy as one of the core courses in high school yes. going forward. This, to me, seems so long overdue that kids leave school and get to university and get past university and have no idea about money, which seems to be one of the main things you need to know in your life. I, I'm giving full marks to the liberals for doing this one. What do you think? Agree. Agree, and I hope the pilot project um, goes well and it can be uh, established across the board as, as curriculum. How have we not had something like this before? I mean, honestly, how has this been? How has this taken this long to actually get here? I'm just wondering why it why it even has to be a pilot project. Like, I mean, I guess I kind of understand the whole. I think you everything wanna, is a pilot test project. It and make yeah. sure it's right, but like this this feels like such a no brainer that it, it's taken this long. Why can't everybody have it right away? Well, I. I th- again, I think almost anything you do in politics now, if you're going to do this, you want to test it and make sure you haven't missed something colossal sure. so that you put it into every school and suddenly you realize there's a giant gaping hole and you can't undo it. I mean, but right so I now think, there's an even bigger gaping hole. No, I realize. I think when they say pilot project, I, I, I'm interpreting it more to let's put <laughs> this in place and see if the program that we have developed works and then right. we'll expand it as opposed to we will pull financial literacy back out. I think this is going to happen. It's yeah, just yeah. what is going to happen. To test this curriculum, I'm sure that uh, new curriculum of, of this matter, no teacher is qualified to teach it well, as it doesn't exist. Well, well, the teachers do have a fair amount of money, so they should be able <laughs> Well, there is that, right? But yeah. yeah but no, it's a wonderful idea. And you're right. Uh, the Minister of Education and Kathleen Wynne you can't be terrible all the time. I just, again, I'm, I'm just shocked that we've gone. And I, once upon a time, I was told we did have something like this. And I mean, it wasn't just home ec. Like there was, a, we know home ec and now home ec has this kind of, we sort of think of that as girls in high school baking stuff, which I don't really know that that was the home ec program, but it, there was also apparently once upon a time, a financial course of some kind. Kids learned about money and it just fell by the wayside. I don't know when it happened. I don't know why it happened. But it seems like it's been a huge chasm in, in learning. If I need, if I can leave school, how many times, Luke, you are the closest between Lauren and I and you. You are the closest to high school. How many times <laughs> in your high school life did you work on a paper, study something for a test, or sit in a classroom and go, when am I ever going to need to know this? So much especially because I took a lot of university-level courses in my last couple of years, and that's when you get into stuff that you'll really never use. Now, I did have an economics course, so I, I am in the minority. But did economics actually teach day-to-day handling of your own money? It t- teaches Keynesian theories and things no, like no, that? No, no, it was much more, I don't remember a lot, because yes, you're right, I am the closest to high school, but it has still been almost a decade since I was in high school, so I've forgotten a lot of what I learned. Uh, but I remember working out um, budget sheets uh, that specifically that was the one thing that has stuck with me is how to how to tabulate your credits and, and your debits and, and like running a small business, but also doing it on a personal level. So I at least got something useful out of it. According to the star, this pilot project, putting this together will cost the Ministry of Education one hundred and forty two thousand dollars. And again, now I'm looking at this going, okay, we're teaching financial literacy, and that seems like 
It's pretty cheap. A pretty cheap yeah. amount of money to put in a pilot project into schools across the province. Which leads me to my next thing. Do some of our politicians, to go back to politicians, need to take this course? Because if they can actually put together a pilot project that is useful for this little money, why do so many other pilot projects we have seem to cost, not just in education, but everywhere, cost millions of dollars? Sure, this, you know what this sounds like? There's one or two staff people who have sat down and drawn up, or a teacher or someone, and drawn up a curriculum. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? This to me, again, I'm looking right up and down this story and I can see nothing in this that I find offensive or upsetting or angering. It's all smart and it's all good and I just can't understand why we haven't had it before. Uh, since you've introduced this topic, I've I've been running my head with all the things I wish I had learned um, that potentially I've subsequently learned or maybe I haven't. Um, once upon a time, did they not have driver's education in, in schools? I, think, I don't know. I think it's been a while, but it's, I think that, yeah, there yeah, was, there was certainly in, in school. Um, everybody needs to learn how to feed themselves, how to pay their bills, how to get around. There's all kinds of practical knowledge you can't necessarily uh, assume you're going to absorb from parents. Do you think that this, do you think there's anybody out there who would be upset by this? That would be, because we know when Ontario introduced the sex ed curriculum, it was wildly controversial. Now it's a different topic, I understand. And it still hasn't been met with agreement across the board because of what's being taught. Do you th- is there anybody out there who could possibly not be in favor of this? I haven't read the curriculum, but I assume not. I, 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 unless, I, would, I would hope not, but to maybe be honest, a, I'm betting that some of the people that were the more staunch uh, opponents of the sex ed curriculum will probably also be staunch opponents of financial literacy courses simply because that's another thing that should be taught at home and not in the schools. Well, unless there's some segment or section in this thing that says, you know, that's on how to make political contributions to the Ontario (laughs) Liberal Party, in which case maybe someone might have an issue. Um, The one thing that some of the parents and teachers are actually saying, if there is a criticism to be had, and I think it may be unwarranted, and again, I'm I'm not a huge defender always of the win government, so this is uh, this is unusual. But the one criticism that some are having is that, well, why are we waiting till high school? Why aren't we starting this in elementary school right off the bat? Let's get kids when look. If we are teaching, a, you know, I don't remember. I, I want to be reasonably specific. If we're teaching kids in elementary school some rather specific things about sex ed. Should teaching them about money not be also taught then? If they're old enough to learn about those things, should they not be old enough to learn about how they spend and save money? I, I'm hoping that this curriculum will, in a basic way, explain how to file your taxes, what is a mortgage and how does it work, that kind of stuff. And no, that doesn't work for primary school kids. Not how to save money or how to... You know, if you get 25 cents, kids probably don't get 25 cents now. They probably get $5 minimum. Uh, When the tooth fairy comes and leaves the $20 bill under your pillow, um, you know, keep, save 10 and spend 10. That kind of thing, as opposed to just take that 20 and go out and blow it all on a video game. I think this, what I'm about to say is probably um, often said by those who don't like the sex ed education coming in so young, but sometimes we should just let kids be kids. We don't always have to worry about everything from the day we're born. Yeah, I, I, as a child, was often told similar things to that of why don't you put this away? Why don't you not spend it now? And I always spent it now. 
So because you were a kid, that's yeah. what kids do. I, I wanted the thing, and you're I allowed wanted... to do that and be that way when you're a kid. Exactly. But here's here's my argument with this, and I, I don't really want to go down this rabbit hole. But to me, if I had to choose between teaching kids in grade four early sex ed or early financial literacy. I would want them to have early financial literacy. I'm not saying leave the kids until they're grade 12 or no. 13 to figure the other stuff. No. The di- grade 6, grade 7, by the time you get to middle school, okay. But in grade 3 and grade 4 to be teaching sex, right, I, but, I think they're equally But, but Scott, important. today there are kids who are in grade 3 and grade 4 who don't understand why little Tommy has two moms. There is nobody in grade 3 or grade 4 who is confused why little Tommy's dad has three mortgages. It's not something that penetrates kids' minds. And the sex education, they are aware of their differences of gender. They're aware of the different makeups of families. That's, no, there is a difference. Oh, I, I know, I'm... Uh, <laughs> no, but the kids, I know there's a difference no, between money kids, and sex. Right. Although some well, people combine hey, no. them. <laughs> uh, yeah, some people have brought those, you know, we can have it all into one big melting mm. but no, I, I, <laughs> Let's not go down that w- there. But uh, no, I, look, I, I, I'm not arguing against kids learning about sex education. What I am saying is that I think that there are, there could be almost as many kids, and I got to be careful how I say this. I don't want to say it wrong. There could be almost as many kids that get into trouble in their life through the mismanagement of money as through the mismanagement of sex. No. You don't think so? No, and here's, no, not as kids. But kids get in trouble with sex. Kids don't get in trouble with money. You've got no, time later. All right, all right. I'm 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 looking at the bigger. I'm picture, not going to default default a mortgage at 14. No, I could get pregnant. True. That's 100 percent true. Yeah. No, that's 100 percent true. And I wasn't looking at it at, at that moment. I'm thinking to begin. You know, when you've got a fresh, unpressed, clean canvas brain to begin teaching lessons that will have impact for life. That's what I'm talking about. Right. But okay. you're absolutely right. There's not a kid who's going to buy a car. <laughs> I hope, <laughs> unless it, unless you know he. He's up in Ancaster driving a Lamborghini, apparently, but uh, who's at 15, but, and that's all alleged. Let me just make and, that and, clear. And that's why I think that high school is the perfect place to start, because when you're talking about the 16, 17-year-olds, when they're getting their first summer job, maybe younger than that, too, that's where they need to start having the financial literacy. And so let's if, if we say that 16 is when they get that first job, teaching them at 14 and 15 how to manage their money, that's the perfect time to do it. We will take a quick break here on the Scott Radley Show. Back right after this. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Brightest panel on Hamilton Radio this Friday evening. This nice warm Friday evening, by the way. Man, came in today, jacket was undone, feeling the blooms are about to bloom. Yeah, you're not going to leave that tonight. No? It's already 7 degrees outside. Oh, it's already dropping? I still wondered. I, I was really wondering. The, the Around the Bay race is this Sunday. If you're going downtown, be advised. The Around the Bay race is this Sunday, so there will be lots of roadblocks and everything else. But what would have happened if that snowstorm a week and a half ago had landed on Around the Bay race day? We'll still run. Oh, I know people would run. But you know what I would have liked? To, what, you're still running? Yeah, I'm not like running. That. All right. um, there are some people, outstanding athletes, who come here every year from places that have a lot less snow than we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of outstanding Kenyan runners that show up for this, that always do very well, and that make the Around the Bay race a stop on their yearly schedule. I'm willing to bet you, and they're not the only ones, that they would have never seen two feet of snow on race day. 
along with a lot of other people that do the cycle and come from, uh-huh. from the States and everything else, it would have been really interesting to see how <laughs> a lot of the elite runners, I mean, the, the, the plugs are all the locals around here and they're used to snow, but the elite runners who do this, who travel, that would have been interesting. As it is North America's oldest yes. road race, surely there has been snow, unless it was in another time of year, once upon a time. I, th- I, I was told that there has been, but never... Nothing massive. In the amount that we're talking about from a week right. or so ago, where like you literally, you're running and it could be up to your shin. Well, we can all hope for Sunday for a massive snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, ru- the runners right now. I, again, I... I think that a lot of the people who are the people who will finish in three and a half hours or so, I mean, they'd be okay with it because they're from around here. Right. So you, it would have been really interesting to see what that would have done to the super elite class because they're the ones who, you know, you run, you go from nice weather generally to nice weather. Or Us at least, under two hour people. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. they, they if we're driving. They probably would have <laughs> just passed. 5K. <laughs> yeah. They would have what? They just probably would have passed. It's it's a training race for them, right? For the for like a New Yorker or a Boston. Would they have so. passed? I think they would have actually been so quick they could have actually dodged the snowflakes. <laughs> nice. They could have gotten around. But anyway, all right. Uh, speaking of sports, you both saw, and I'm sure many people at home saw the moment in the Pittsburgh Penguins Ottawa Senators game. Mm. Was it last night? It was yes. last night. Sidney Crosby is back checking and gives a slash. Now I got to be honest. I didn't think it was an egregious slash, the kind that was like a wind up and tee off on the guy. It was the kind of slash that you see probably 50 times every game in the NHL. He goes to whack the stick, but he caught his hand instead. And the result, though, was far different from your typical slash because Mark Mathot of the Ottawa Senators takes off his glove and basically the tip of his baby finger is hanging off. He, Sidney Crosby essentially severed. Yes the tip of the guy's finger. It was pretty grotesque. So this has, of course, caused Ottawa owner Eugene Melnick to go into uh, full dander. And I, I refuse to believe that such a rational man as Eugene Melnick would freak out over something like this. And has argued huh. that Sidney Crosby should be suspended for the entire year for this egregious, vicious, premeditated, malicious assault that should be treated with the absolute harshest of penalties. What do you think about what should happen to a player who, first of all, a player who breaks the law in the game, but second of all, who leads to another player's significant injury? Should there be differing penalties based on the outcome? I heard Melnick's comments. They were over the top. I th- no. I think the players appreciate an owner with that kind of open support, um, and if it's for them, then it's for them. I also heard Sidney Crosby's comments, and I didn't hear an apology, and I didn't hear um, that he was sorry for an injury. He's like, yeah, it happens all the time. It was He was pretty easy breezy about it, and I'm sure at that point somebody had told him that he had severed part of a finger. That's not a normal outcome. The assault, uh, the infraction happens what, every eight seconds? Something like that. It's um, Like it was, if you had watched that game and he had not had his finger chopped off, you would never have identified that moment as an egregious moment in the game, I don't think. No, not not in any way, shape, or form. And I don't understand. Um, it didn't look like that hard of a chop. He's wearing well-padded gloves. Like, must have just been a perfect placement to I would think. And maybe with the tip of the stick Tremendously bad luck. 
Well, it really is. But Luke, it, this always becomes, and what Eugene Melnick was arguing was, if you take out my player, you should have to sit with him in the press box for as long as he is out. No, I've I've always hated that argument because some guys just get really lucky. Some guys, like, say, Max Pacioretty, have Wolverine-like healing powers and, and can take a hit like ones he's taken and be back in two weeks. I think you have to penalize the infraction, not the not the result. Because sometimes a guy's going to get hit in the head and he's going to be able to get up and play in that game, and other times he's going to be out for three weeks. That With concussions, it's just... It's all over the place. You don't know what the result is going to be. And if you start penalizing to the to the result instead of to the infraction, then you start to get uh, p- then you start to get suspensions that don't make any sense. Well, because it goes both ways, right? You could commit an egregious infraction, right? That doesn't hurt the guy, so it's nothing. But intent also needs to play here, not just what you did and what was the result. But Sidney Crosby was not looking to chop off a man's finger. I. I, I don't believe he was. I, there was nothing that in that mo- moment that suggested, like, we have seen players commit infractions that are really dirty that you say, if you weren't intending to hurt him, it sure looked like you were. Right. Right? We've seen that from Chris players Simon. in all sports. We saw that here with um, that Russian bulldog. With uh, Alexander Perezhogin a few years uh, ago on Garrett Stafford. Yep, right. with uh, Cleveland Barons. Uh, we've seen moments where you say, I don't know if your intent was to injure him, but it's very difficult to believe you did not have intent to injure him based on what you did. You right. can argue that you didn't, but boy, oh boy, does it ever look like you did. And then you got something like this. But if you lose, I mean, Eugene Melnick is raising a, a, a an argument. Luke says he hates it, but a lot of people have sided with this over the years. Say, if you take my guy out, you, your penalty, your suspension should be as long as my suspension. So the injury. biblical eye for an eye... Axiom is not based on accidents, right? That it doesn't work well, that it, way. Yeah, it, it, in this particular case, but see, Eugene Melnick is saying this was no accident. That 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 Sidney Crosby delivered a vicious, yeah. malicious, well-executed slash that took my player's finger off. Okay, I mean, but okay, but even even leaving this one aside for a second, then what about the ones that are more egregious? Should Let's say that I line a guy up and I drill him from behind face first into the boards and he has a concussion and is out for six weeks. Should your suspension also be six weeks or should it be based on some other decision relative to what no, the... No, you can't, you can't do that because then my goon takes out Sidney Crosby um, and, and, I'm, and I'm happy to have him sit. You can't do that. Yeah, and like the, the, the issue with that that we're raising is the same thing that happened with the Nyquist, Gustav Nyquist, when he attempted to gouge out Jared Spurgeon's eye. He didn't, and so he only got six games. And what we were talking about at the time was he clearly intended to do damage, and it's only by good luck that he didn't do serious damage. And And that never made sense to me, because if he had taken his eye out, He's probably getting a 30-game suspension. Probably, but he, but he didn't, and so it's only six. And that's why I have a problem with penalizing to the, to the injury because <laughs> Spurgeon, yeah, he missed maybe a game. I don't even know if he missed any time at all. But Nyquist should have been suspended for a lot longer than six. And in this case, Melnick's going to complain about Mathot and say, oh, he's going to be out. As brutal as that injury looked, I don't know how much the tip of your pinky finger affects your ability to play hockey, so I don't know oh, that Mathot no, is no, going to no, be no. out that long. No, he will. And the reason is simply because, listen, as um, this I can speak to, believe it or not, <laughs> as someone who has lost two toes to a lawnmower, uh, it's not just the fact that your p- 
pinky finger is not there and therefore you it, like using for stick handling, the nerve endings that will be at the end of that pinky finger, anything he touches will drive him insane for some good long time. It will be exceedingly uncomfortable for him to play. Well, I, I would have no experience, so that's, that's, that's a good the, thing. You know, we're into the one injury that I can actually <laughs> speak to. Uh, well, there's a couple other ones, but no, it's... So, but here's the thing. You said if you have your goon out there and it's the eye for an eye, you take out Sidney Crosby and that's fair. The flip side is Sidney Crosby accidentally or intentionally, but hits a guy... You know what? If I'm on that other team, I go, yeah, you're injured for the rest of the year. And then Sidney Crosby can't play again for the rest of the year, yeah. right? So it's a, it, for yeah. the people who argue that, I'm with you. The problem has become, though, and why we get into these situations, and I've said this a million times, we wouldn't even have this discussion if the NHL's discipline system had been effective over the years. If there consistent. Had, consistent and severe enough that when you actually did something bad, you paid a heavy price for it, then, you know what, if you, look, if Sydney, if you had a guy and you just talked about um, Nyquist to almost taking out someone's eye, and he gets six games for a vicious stick poke to his face. Because he said he didn't mean to do it. And the yeah, NHL is like, oh, okay, well, you, you said Regardless, so. they've set up, they've now had another precedent set that says something that was almost terrifyingly horrible is six games. Mm-hmm. Well, now for an accidental slash, it's really tough to give Sidney Crosby a third of that when it didn't even look like he meant to do that. Now, if Nyquist had gotten 20 games for that, now you could quite easily turn around and give Sidney Crosby a game or two for this and say, look how much less it is. But when you've set the bar so low for penalties, it essentially then eliminates penalties for these kind of things. You're right, but when when you look at they just they handed two suspensions down yesterday for nasty nasty hits in both cases and and especially and how much were they? Uh, two games two for games for, Polak. Uh, for Polak and three games for Ristolainen. Right. And and the Polak hit watching that game that was scary because Bjorkstrand is down on the ice and you don't know how hurt he is or when he's going to get back up. And as disturbing as this video clip is of Mathot. He's still skating off under his own power. You know that, yeah, his pinky finger, he's missing the tip, but uh, he's going to be okay in the long run. And you didn't know that about Bjorkstrand, and that's why if you give Sidney Crosby two games for this, it looks even more ridiculous that you've given Roman Polak only two games. To to your point, a friend of mine's kid, um, this only happened a week ago, playing bantam hockey somewhere, it doesn't matter. Um, The two kids knock each other down, they're tied each other's skates. Anyways, the kid got up and used his skate in anger on the other kid. The league is clear. You're gone. You're gone for the season. Not consideration of what had happened before. And the kid knew the rules. Dad knew the rules. The coach knew the rules. The difference That's is that. there's no players union and there's no money involved. Right. But, but again, rules are rules, rules when are rules. you know what they are. But, but they, how, could the, how could the NHL have possibly, after you've given Roman Polak, again using the example, the Leaf player, hits from behind to me are, other than Clint Malarchuk situations with skates to the throat, are the most scary things in hockey. Yep. Because one of these days... One of these years, I, I mean, I pray that it won't, but it's inevitable that broken one neck. of these years, somebody on yeah. the ice is going to suffer a broken neck. It, with this many players playing this many games, even if it's an accidental, someone's going to stumble and fall into the boards. Mm-hmm. It terrifies me every time you see a hit from behind. I thought it when my kids, my son was playing right up till now. 
you get two games for something that potentially had the other player, had the victim moved slightly differently, you could have had a man in a wheelchair. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying it's possible. You can't, as the NHL then, give him two and then turn around and say, but Sidney Crosby, who did something that everybody does 20 times a game and had bad luck as the result, gets a five-game suspension Which just is why because of the outcome. Sidney gets nothing, because everybody knows, except Eugene, that that happens all the time. But also because the NHL has dropped the ball so badly on discipline over the years that they've left no wiggle room at the bottom to give short sentences to. Right. It, it, it shouldn't be hard. They, they have set sentences for drug infractions. Yes. And everybody agrees with those. We have no problems with those. So why can't you take things like hits from behind, checks to the head, the truly dangerous plays, and say you get minimum this. This is where it starts. It's not and, as simple as we'll that. beyond that. A check to the head from a six foot five player is different from a check to the head from a five foot ten player. And, and that's uh, the issue. And, and yes, they're all like when you, when Zidane Ochara hits you in the head. That's hits Mitch Marner in the head, and right. there's a two foot height difference. So that really, even if he kept his arms down and his shoulder down and everything low, right. you're still going to get him in the head. Does he get the same suspension as if I leap into a guy and drive my shoulder up into his chin and he's a foot taller? No. Yep. So. I go back to my point. You cannot, if you're an owner, I don't think, I think you look ridiculous when you're arguing for a colossal sentence. Uh, yes. When but when you're... Now, don't forget, the Ottawa Senators in the past have had more than a few occasions where they have been the deliverers, Chris Neal, of <laughs> they, a few things. They deify the player that, that loves to do that. And, you know, there have been a few times that a few guys on the Senators have done this, and I don't remember Eugene Melnick demanding that his guy be sitting. So you're, you're right. He's arguing for his player. Yeah. But this whole thing, to me, all goes back to the NHL's discipline system being broken. If this had been working all along, there is room at the bottom of the discipline system to say, Sidney Crosby did that, you get a game. You get a game, even though it was technically not intentional, you slashed a guy in the hand, we're going to give you a game. But you really can't when something egregious is only worth two games. But we're not even talking about this, if it's anybody but the Senators. Because back when Eric Carlson had uh, his, his, Achilles, sl- yep. his, his Achilles slashed, he was calling for a police investigation. And into <laughs> claiming, now look, Matt Cook, Matt Cook is no saint. But if you believe he took his skate and intentionally sliced across the back, you think he's a psychopath. Like that's, More than that. That's so More unbelievably that. awful that if to he believe could... a human being would do that and, and one who plays hockey. Like, Luke, this more is than the that, owner if, that we if you have. believe that a guy could, in the span of a quarter second, line a guy up without looking and identify the open part of his leg and bring your foot down at right. the perfect angle to make a severe, perfect slice of the Achilles... This guy is a trained assassin, not but, a hockey player. But that's what I mean. Like, th- this is an owner who thinks that that was intentional. So I think if, if this had happened, if Sidney Crosby had done this to uh, Roman Polak, let, to, to use a perfect example, then I don't think we'd be talking about this. And Leafs fans like to freak out. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. What more perfect time than to bring up one of the odder stories of the week? This one comes to us from Nova Scotia. I don't want to say where a lot of odd stories come from, but some days. Mm-hmm. There's a guy in Nova Scotia who shares a name with you, actually. His name is Lorne, but his last name is Grabber. G-R-A-B-H-E-R. That's his, that's his real last name. He hasn't made it up. He hasn't changed it. It's from Germanic heritage. 
and his last name is Grabber. So he went to get himself a personalized license plate with his last name as the personalized license plate. The province of Nova Scotia determined that he was not permitted to have his last name on a license plate because this would be offensive to women and politically incorrect. Mm -hmm. Should he have been allowed to have that license plate under the circumstances that it wasn't a, an imploration to do something but his last name? I wanted to get a personalized plate. Um, Dare I ask what? <laughs> Festival of Friends. Oh, okay. And it was going to be F space, O-F space, F. <laughs> but there's no room for any fest. F of F. The province said no. <laughs> so I, That's yes, I, I side with the grabber. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's a wonderful story. Is that true? Yeah. Um, I would have, I could have imagined the look on the poor person's face at the ministry when you walked in for that one. Um, Spaces. What, years, years and years and years ago, when I first got my driver's license, I actually was a huge Los Angeles Lakers fan at the time. And I thought about, and I was sitting there coming up with what personalized plates I would want to get. And I thought about getting Laker fan, but the only number of spaces could be L-K-R-F-A-N. You can only, I think, get six at that time. And so I read it and I read it and I showed it to someone and they said, liquor fan? <laughs> and I thought, well, that's just going to get me pulled over at every single right. ride program. So I chose against that one. But this is different though. This is, even if you, even if someone thought that he, his plate might have been offensive if they drove by, why should that matter that he can't get his license plate? Well, I mean, honestly... We want, we tell people all the time that we should have freedoms and the government shouldn't be interfering. This is not something where he's being cute or being stupid or being no, his offensive. his name is offensive. It's his, well, it's not even <laughs> offensive. Is It may be offensive to somebody, but it's not by its own merit. It's not offensive. I think this guy knows exactly what he's doing. It's I, funny. It, it's. Uh, well, he's gone through life with this name. I'm sure people at times have, yeah, I'm sure people at am- times have said, hey, it's that's a amusing. funny name. Ha ha. It's it's certainly amusing, and he is a little bit. He's like seventy five or so, so it's not like he's a twenty year old guy who's trying to just be stupid. Well, what caused him now then to decide he suddenly wanted a personalized license plate? Well, I don't know. Maybe he came in. I don't know. Maybe I he just, came into some money. Maybe he got a new car. I, just, I don't know. We we were t- we've been talking about this because we had the story on the news wheel, and yeah, it's it's an interesting story. But I think this guy knows exactly what he's doing, and the quotes of him: "It's just my name." Yeah, but you also but, know what you're putting on your license plate, buddy. Like, it's but, you're not doing this entirely innocently. But it is innocent, it's as it name. is just his name. No, it is. It is just his name. I just I don't believe he's doing it innocently. I think he is. He is doing it because it's his name, but also because his name has another meaning. But okay, either way, why should that matter? Because it's 2017, and I, anything that I don't like is hate speech, Scott. Yeah, well, and you I'll, stop it. I know. No, and you're, that's exactly that's, right. yes. That's exactly right. But why should it matter? If I have a license plate that says, "So I'm not." I was going to use an example, and I'm not going to because you know what, Luke would pick that and use it as a, as a promo, and I do not want that. To, <laughs> what I was going to say to be my promo. Um, if I had a license plate that I was poking fun at something, and it was slightly offensive. Again, who cares? It's my license plate. It's my car. If you can't, if you are so thrown off by my license plate. Our public roads should be a safe space. Okay, Scott? <laughs> Thank you. Those, those who can't see Lauren, he, he has a, <laughs> a sly grin as he says this. He's being facetious. But oh, yes, it's a, yeah, we don't want to trigger someone, of course. Uh, again, uh, there are, I, 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 am, I will grant you 100%, there are certain 
things that should that are so over the top or so offensive. Like F off. Although although that was very clever. With the spaces. But, but, with the spaces. But let's say, uh, I'm trying to think of what could be like the worst possible thing you could put on there that would be truly offensive and dangerous. All right. And there, let's there's, say. There's some pretty, there's some pretty choice words okay, let's say we're some, not allowed to talk No, about. but let's say somebody decided they went in and they wanted to have a license plate that was built around the word rape. All right. I could see 100% where they say, no, there's no. There's no place for that's not a joke. There's nothing funny. That's not even that's not even your name. Nothing like that. So no, I, I get that. But there are other ones that you know. That, that's what the argument is for this license plate, though. But it's his name. That's no, my no. point. So what I, if some I guy's know. named Bob Rape? Well, I you know I, I that's a great. It's you know it makes it a more I, difficult I, point. I don't think that. I don't know. I, I just look at this and I, it's you know it's a great point you're making that that there's a fine line, but I. I think there's a difference. I, I honestly do. And if the guy's name is Bob Rape, I, first of all, I got to pull Change up. Change your name. I, I, yeah, I got I to <laughs> pull on. up the yellow pages if there's such a thing still exists to find out if there's anyone in the country of Canada whose last name is Rape. I certainly hope not. And yes, please change your name if you do or anything else along those lines. There's not, it's not something you want to be walking around life with. Um, but leaving that aside, I'm assuming what I'm talking about is someone going in trying to say something on their license that would truly be offensive on its own merit. That I could say, no, you can't have that. But a last name, even, uh, I don't know. I just, I, it's another example to me of, of bureaucracies or governments or whoever else trying to just get too cute and too involved in saying, no, if you can show on your birth certificate, on your driver's license, that that is legitimately your last name, there would... I googled it. There, there are There's people. Bob Rapes. I don't, I don't even like guy. saying that name, but that's that's wow. Now I don't even know what else to say. I can't believe that. Yeah. Well. All right. Grammar well, that, ain't that, so bad. That, yeah, that person should not get a personalized license plate. No. And may want to consider a name change. I'm just saying. That's. I uh, think what makes it the worst is that it has an S on it. That it's Bob Rapes, not just Bob Rape. I don't know. Anyway, let's not go down that road too far. I just the point was I was trying to think of something that would be truly offensive, that I would say I would be okay with a government saying no to that, and that would be one of the examples. That that would be. I support over the, your over liquor the line. <laughs> but grab. I, I don't know. What? Oh, oh, I just got sent an email. Uh, you know what? I actually was on Bumper Stumpers <laughs> once upon a time. Remember that old TV show, Bumper yes. Stumpers, where you read personalized license plates? Sorry for my pause there. I just got sent an email, and I'm trying to read it, and I'm, well, I am, uh, I better not say it out loud just in case as I'm working my way through this. But yes, I'll, I'll figure it out during the commercial break. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900, AM 900 CHML.